Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, Director of Music Ministries. And during this time of transition from virtual to in-person and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. Today's conversation is a conversation with Chris Wilterdink. Chris Wilterdink is the director of Young People's Ministries, which is part of Discipleship Ministries of the United Methodist Church. He's an avid runner who used to have free time before his two excellent children consumed it all. Chris brings a mixture of educational and project management knowledge to ministry. Chris was at the local church level for about 12 years before joining Discipleship Ministries in 2012. And Chris has written and co-written several books, including Everyday Disciples, Covenant Discipleship with Youth and also Building Spiritual Muscle, and most recently, a series of free ebooks titled Crash Courses in Youth Ministry. In addition to challenging and resourcing ministry leaders with young people, Chris also gets to organize a national youth event for the United Methodist Church, and the next one coming up is in 2023. Well, we'll hear a little bit more about that in a little bit. But Chris, welcome. I'm glad that you're with Derek and me today. And I'm just like to start off by asking you how you're doing. How how's life in Colorado? You left Nashville. So what's up with that? <laughs> I sure did. Um, Derek and Diana, it is just a pleasure to be with both of you today. Um, I, I miss our chances to be in person together as frequently as we were. Um, but one of the side effects of the COVID-19 pandemic was this work from home experience and discipleship ministries decided to kind of lean into that and offer a work from home uh, policy that became a work from anywhere policy. So uh, my wife and I took the chance to move back to the state where we both grew up and have the opportunity to um, care for our aging parents and make some connections between our kids and their grandparents while that time is there. So very grateful to be able to do that. And, um, you know, Colorado's weather is a little crazy. So we've had a few snowstorms already, but I have to say, uh, right now, when we're recording this, it is 65 and sunny outside. And that is at 7,000 feet of elevation. So I'll take that when I can get it. No kidding. Wow. That's exciting. So I'm guessing you're, you're getting a little bit more hiking in and some outdoor activities that I know you really love to, to do with your family. It's a great opportunity to kind of commune with nature that way. Um, and also we're, we're right in between Denver and Colorado Springs. And so there's um, a really healthy kind of network of churches that we've been able to connect with as well. Um, and something that's been sort of fun and unexpected is kind of experiencing the diversity of worship styles um, and theology that's present in the United Methodist churches in the area. Um, I, I think that sometimes people will have a tendency to sort of broad brush um, or stereotype states or, you know, certain geographic areas. And um, it, it's a good reminder for me that Colorado is a very purple place, right? There are 
<laughs> uh, red dots and blue dots and this kind of sea that they all swim together. And the big tent of the United Methodist Church really has um, offerings that kind of fit this, this big tent or this wide idea of theology that uh, I think is so valuable for our church. So, yeah, it's been good. Thanks for asking. So what, what about your youth? Do you, Have you settled in a youth group? Are they participating with other youth in the area or are they joining you in this visiting around kind of process? Uh, well, so so my own kids are in fifth grade and second grade, and okay. most of the churches are just getting back into um, in-person meetings of kinds because the uh, the leadership in the area really has um, stuck closely to uh, CDC guidelines for in-person gatherings. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of churches right now are trying to figure out um, not only what does in-person worship look like, but also what do... Uh, in-person youth gatherings start to look like again, you know, after youth have been um, getting used to online meetings for the last 18 months. Um, And I say getting used to, but also getting burnt out um, in that process as well, because there's a real different experience when you're online versus when you're in person. I've really missed having children in church. Oh my goodness. And, um, and it, it does make me think about your your kids, especially your fifth grader, because they're not, you know, children aren't in church usually, even if others are there, even if youth who have been vaccinated are there. And I just wonder what that, how that disconnect is going to play out um, in the coming year or two, you know, if it's going to create this hunger, I, I need to be with other uh, people my age and all that kind of stuff. And maybe we'll see a resurgence of youth programs. That's that would be ideal, wouldn't it? Um, well, I, but... I do think there's a, there's definitely a hunger that's out there. Um, and I don't know, I, I feel like I could talk about this all day, but there's, do you remember how awkward and, and strange it felt when we went into lockdown in the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be that same sort of strange feeling coming out of it because we are well out of practice being in the same physical space as other people. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I do think it's really important for churches to um, make sure that they are inviting and being very intentional about connecting with youth and their families in a new way. Um, And part of that is because uh, a side effect of the pandemic really has been uh, the clearing out of the traditional schedule. You know, um, one of the, the big complaints for being active in youth ministry for a long time has always been, well, we're just too busy. There's too much to do. And COVID really you know, took care of the overscheduling thing. Uh, but now that things are starting to reopen, it, it really is important to kind of reestablish invitations and the habits yes. coming to church, because I, I just have the sense that if we don't get on those calendars and, and become something that is valued um, as part of a, a regular connection with in-person time at a church, we'll miss that opportunity. And, and those habits are yeah. just going to be really hard to kind of form for families and youth again in the near future. Yeah. The danger of something else filling that space, which won't be nearly as good for them. Well, so let's talk about a, an event that's coming up and I know you're already, you know, steeped in this. And so I, I think um, those who are listening would really love to hear about youth 2023. So can you tell us what, what's in the works for that? Yeah, thank you. Um, and I mean, before I get into it, Diana, we should definitely mention that you have been a part of youth mm-hmm. events in the past. So 
Um, this denominational nationwide gathering for United Methodist Youth in the United States really has happened since the 1980s. Uh, yep. And um, it, it's a really unique opportunity. And one of the reasons I was most interested to be able to kind of talk about it from a worship perspective um, is that worship really is a central part of the event. Um, you know, this is an event where we have several thousand youth uh, with several hundred adult chaperones, and um, they are folks that will come from all over the country. Um, sometimes we get international attendees as well. And uh, time after time, th this will be the third one that I'm um, kind of getting to sit in the captain's chair and help organize the whole thing. Uh, but time after time, when we get feedback after the event is done, some of the most meaningful moments of the entire experience really come from um, the big room worship that we're able to organize. Mm. Uh, and, you know, folks that kind of attend smaller and medium sized United Methodist churches um, that may have a, a more traditional worship or, um, I don't know, kind of a, I guess I would call it a standard approach to worship, um, really get to have a new and different experience and, and experience God and the Holy Spirit moving in a new way because of the diverse music that we can put on stage, the diverse voices that we can put uh, behind a microphone and, and really build up a, a shared sense of what it means to be, you know, part of the Methodist church. It, it really expands, I think, young people's understanding of, well, the United Methodist Church is you know, my first United Methodist Church that I go to um, <laughs> into this beautiful, large, connectional sort of thing. Wow. Well, go well, ahead, Derek. I guess one of my questions about events like this, whether whether it's a youth event or, or any worship event, is what about the uh, dissatisfaction with your local setting uh, effect that might come about from that? Um, how can you give youth or, or youth leaders from a small uh, United Methodist Church, something to go back with, you know, that isn't going to revolutionize everything that they do back there, but could perhaps plant a seed or, or bring something different, bring something of the energy of the large event back. I mean, are there, what sort of training or, or, or packages or something that you give them that, that helps them do that? Sure. Uh, well, uh, your point is a, a really good one. Uh, the Youth 2023 event will take place uh, in Daytona Beach, Florida, uh, mm. at the Ocean Center, which is um, kind of a beachfront um, arena area, and we'll yeah. be staying at a beachfront hotel. So the setting is out of the ordinary. Uh, <laughs> the worship experiences are out of the ordinary. Um, and, you know, the uh, something special that we're trying to do this year is as part of the design team, we are specifically recruiting um, two curricula writers that will be on hand to experience every worship uh, and morning Bible study session that we do. And then within six months after the event, we will have kind of a, a take home resource that is a follow up from the worship um, and the experience on site at Youth 2023 um, to kind of further the understanding and um, provide churches that uh, want to do some follow-up stuff and dive deeper into the theme that we come up with, the opportunity to do that. Um, the, the other thing I think I would add to that is we also do workshops uh, as part of the, the week where we'll be uh, together. So those workshops range from, you know, kind of worship and prayer to, um, you know, mission and serve experiences and those kinds of things. Uh, so between that mixture of the worship experiences and the workshops, I do hope that leaders and youth feel like 
Um, they are equipped if they discover a new passion or something that they would really like to carry to their home church to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the last thing I might add to that conversation is, uh, you know, the youth event happens every four years. And so there, there are some things that the youth event can be very good at. Um, and, and I would say that those are maybe easily lumped into something that we could call transformational sorts of experiences, mm -hmm. right? Those, those sort of mountaintop, very memorable sort of pieces. Uh, but the gift that the local church has, and, and if a local church helps their youth group or their youth ministers, or even if they're a pastor and they're bringing youth to this event, um, really what I hope the event does is undergird the transformational, uh, well, it, the transformational experiences, but then when they go back home, the local church is so important in terms of formational discipleship experiences. That's the place where the ongoing relationships happen that really make a difference over a lifetime of faith. So if there's this shared experience that a pastor or some volunteer youth leaders or a youth director and youth can identify with at the youth event and then bring that home so that there is this relational touch point um, mm -hmm. to kind of inform some of the formational moments that will continue over that youth's life in their local church, I, I think it can really be a, a nice both and or, or sort of a hybrid experience, if that makes sense. So, so you can really encourage a team coming from a local church so that they can really take back both at the leadership level and at the youth level, the experiences that they had together. Because that, that's kind of what I'm hearing you say, uh, you know, and a lot of churches don't have a dedicated youth minister. Um, so the senior pastor or someone um, like that really needs to go as well to get the best benefit out of it. Is that correct? You know, really, uh, if there is uh, a pastor uh, along with volunteers or, or if there's multiple staff people from a church, it really is pretty incredible. Um, not only the relationships that you will build up. Um, and the relational capital that you will gain with young people because of uh, a big experience like this. But there's also, like you mentioned, a, a tremendous amount of learning opportunities. The, the workshops that I mentioned earlier, uh, not only are there some for youth, but there are some you know, specifically designed for uh, adult leaders of youth ministry as well, whether they are um, pastoral staff or a lay person who is employed uh, or those really awesome people that do youth ministry, um, even when they don't get paid. Um, and, and so we really do try to offer a, a wide range of things for adults and for youth. Yeah, I, I always found it important to go with youth whenever possible, whether it was a church camp or a big event like like this. But I, I hope there's also opportunity for permission giving both to the youth and to the leaders to say, go back and and offer yourself, you know, offer some of this experience, bring some of this energy. Don't and and not to wait to be asked in a sense, but just to come up and say, help let us take part in in leading worship you know not just yeah. on a special sunday although that's always a good thing too but but week by week you know let there be youth voices uh, let let this energy be carried on yeah as we start to work on the the theme and our first design team meeting is still about 2 months away but um I, i've been consistently drawn to the book of james where there's just so much conversation about, you know, it, it's more than saying that you believe, right? That there is action that is tied to our belief. And it, it is my sincere hope that people are able to go home and, you know, participate in the mission of the church in a new way, that, that we really should be world transforming disciples um, and not to wait for invitations, like you mentioned, Derek. Mm. So and and that world is sometimes in our own place. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> the world that we're transforming 
you have other programs for those folks who are bivocational, who maybe aren't as steeped in youth ministry, but have been tagged to lead the youth? Oh, for sure. Uh, and, and if most of the folks listening to your podcast are um, those folks who are the worship planners or worship leaders at the local church, they have probably seen the same pattern that I have, uh, where there are fewer and fewer sort of specific folks serving youth ministry on its own. Uh, really, there's been this movement for, you know, kind of a holistic approach, if that's intergenerational, uh, if it's leadership development, if it's um, sort of cradle to cane discipleship, there's a whole lot of different terms out there. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things that that we wanted to do was create a few resources that might be accessible for folks that do not have full-time jobs in youth ministry uh, or might have some limited training. And, and you mentioned it in the intro. It's the uh, series of eBooks that are available through Discipleship Ministries um, called the Crash Courses in Youth Ministry. Um, and, and those are named not because we want to like put you behind the wheel of the youth ministry bus and laugh while you hit every bump on the way uh, of your ministry journey. But instead, uh, when you crash something, you are giving as much resource and attention as possible in a short amount of time. So these crash courses are all somewhere between 3,000 and 5,000 words. Uh, there are 10 of them. Um, they are designed to just be intensely practical that you could read in one afternoon and really put into practice, uh, you know, the next day or the next week if you wanted to. Uh, and several of the ones I'm, I'm super duper excited about um, uh, have to do with providing a little bit of theological grounding, because one of the things that we see with uh, volunteers, but also um, uh, pastoral staff sometimes is just a refresher on kind of United Methodist heritage and beliefs and, and how a Wesleyan theology can inform the shape that a youth ministry takes. Um, that one is a particularly great one, and I'm super excited about it. Um, but we also have another one that's about administration and how to make the most of the time that you're spending behind the scenes. Uh, because often, if you are trying to serve you know, multiple generations and wear multiple ministry hats, you have to be very effective and pretty efficient in those behind the scenes times so that you're really freed up to do the relationship building and really formational stuff when you do have in-person events. And a lot of times that's where people burn out on those oh, yeah. behind the scene things. Cause it'll eat you up. If, if you've ever been a part of that, those who are listening. <laughs> Another yeah. one is uh fundraising that that's a <laughs> personal thorn in my side, right? Yeah. Um, on everybody's. Nobody yep. likes to do that. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, yeah. It's one of those things you got to do. So the crash courses are for leaders. Are there some for youth as well for participating in that or? Uh, no, the crash courses really are designed for leaders of those youth ministries. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, an another piece that I know that you do through your office is, is supportive materials to our worship series. The worship team creates lectionary based worship series. A number of churches around our connection use them uh, week by week, sometimes faithfully, sometimes hit and miss, but, uh, but that's okay. But one of the elements of those worship series are some youth um, notes. And, and I don't know what all in, is involved in that. Could you talk a little bit about the process? First of all, how, how you get them? I know you have some writers who, who put those together and, and what the intent is. Are they for small groups? Are they for big meetings? What, what's the thought behind that piece of the worship series? 
Sure. And um, I, I don't know how much of the process to really give away, but um, <laughs> are, are your listeners aware of just how hard your team works to get six months ahead in terms of delivering those preaching notes? Yeah. I don't know who's aware. I'm not always aware of it myself. <laughs> Deadlines scare me frequently. <laughs> well, it, it really is a pretty incredible effort. And, you know, one of the things that um, research has shown from the Fuller Youth Institute, as well as, as several other places, is um, just how centrally important a worship experience can be uh, for mm-hmm. young people in the church. Because um, for a long time, when it was really a, a programmatically based ministry, you ended up with these silos or these sort of Mickey Mouse sort of things where children's ministry was over here and youth ministry was over here, and then the rest of the church was doing something else. Mm-hmm. Um, And worship is just a tremendous place to be able to bring all ages together for a shared and common experience. Um, So in the wisdom of discipleship ministries, and I think it was a really great call, um, was maybe, I want to say a year and a half or two years ago, um, to start creating some children's and youth materials that would um, get along very, very well with the lectionary materials that the worship team produces. Um, and so the, the way that we approach that for the youth materials anyway, is, is that we'll receive the preaching notes and kind of the lectionary outline that Derek, uh, and Diana and Cynthia put together. And then, um, we will kind of put that out to our pool of diverse writers from around the church. Um, every series of youth lessons that we come back with, uh, are written by somebody who is actively serving, uh, as a youth director or a youth minister in the United Methodist church. So um, they are folks that know what works um, Mm -hmm. and try to um, really create a discussion-based outline. So if you happen to be at a church where there's like a worship time and then a Sunday school time uh, or an education time, that uh, if you're hearing the lectionary message and the scriptures that are part of the lectionary for that Sunday, then you head to your Sunday school class or your educational class during the week, we're using the same scriptures. Uh, and really building off the same preaching notes so that there really can be awesome conversations between youth and their parents uh, about what Mm. they're hearing uh, related to those scriptures or those hymns or those messages that, um, you know, kind of are shared. And again, it gets to that idea of the church being able to be one body uh, and having Mm -hmm. these common worship experiences that, um, you know, folks can talk through because that's a big deal as part of discipleship. So, So they're not so much trying to create a youth worship service. I know a lot of churches experimented with that. I, I have noticed uh, in my anecdotal small circles that those are disappearing. Like you're saying, they're coming back into the intergenerational worship, but but there might be some still doing that, you know, having a separate worship experience for youth. But, so, but you're not really designing a worship service. You're, you're saying, what's next? How do we take these thoughts, these ideas, and then put them into our lives kind of thing? Yeah, it it really is adding a layer of activities and conversation to reinforce those messages that would be coming from the pulpit uh, or, you know, through the preaching and songs. Um, Mm -hmm. It's definitely not a separate worship service. There are some churches that are doing that still and doing it well. Um, But, you know, when when it's a youth only worship service, one of the one of the long term effects of that. really has been sort of this this drop away that happens when young people reach an adult age because all of a sudden they go to this worship service that has not been completely tailored for them or for their age group right. and they say hey wait a minute where's yeah. my thing and <laughs> they they miss the point that that the church is their thing it, it's all their thing right 
Um, and so being in that worship service together is really important. Um, I, I know that's a tougher sell in some places than others. You know, if it's a, a slower moving traditional service and there's a, a desire for maybe some more uh, up-tempo music or, you know, different musical styles and preaching styles and those kind of things. But mm -hmm. I'm telling you, there's so much value in being able to be together in that worship space. Yeah. Well, and, and I think back to our previous conversation about youth, youth um, 2023, you know, what can we see the other with? You know, I, I've been a part of churches. I served as pastor in churches that did have a youth worship service, but but I wanted some cross fertilization. I wanted I wanted to hear from them in the main body, and I wanted them to hear from us, and kind of that back and forth and that sharing together. And, you know, and here again, I think it is a permission giving uh, experience that we're calling for to say, you know, go and challenge. Not not threaten, but challenge the pastor, the worship team. Go and challenge the organist or whoever the musician is at your local church and say, we'd really like to help lead this song. You know, it might be a little different. It might be a little out of the norm, but but it, it might wake some people up. They might find some some real affinity for a, a different style, even in some of the quote unquote older adults that are that are in there, too. I, I just think there's so much to offer on all these different levels that. That there shouldn't be, and this is my challenge back to you, Chris, there shouldn't be a standard United Methodist worship. There, there's no such right. thing, really. You right. Know? So so how do we enliven? How do we bring? How do we seed um, what we do week by week? And, and I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but, um, you know, as we get back to some in-person things, I, I think that churches and worship leaders have learned a lot of lessons about what virtual worship or streaming worship mm -hmm. can look like over the last year and a half or two years. And I think it only makes sense to try to keep those lessons moving forward, that there's really going to be a hybrid nature to worship going forwards. And so yeah. you know, when, when you mention youth and worship, yes, youth sitting and, and being a part of the corporate worship experience and being able to sing along and pray with everyone and be those pieces is important. Uh, and so is leadership and and those virtual worship times have really opened a new door for some youth leadership opportunities, right? Because you've got uh, young people that navigate social media so well, just yep. because yep. they live it, they breathe it, they've grown up in it. it it's what they know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if, if you're streaming a worship service and you need uh, people to help moderate or administrate comments or be active in chat, you know, while worship is happening. Yep. Youth are awesome at that. They're so <laughs> good at it. Um, and you'd be amazed at the relationships that can form um, between, you know, folks just because of chats that happen during your streaming worship. So, uh, you know, if churches have not leaned into inviting youth into leadership positions um, related to technology or moderating discussions during worship stuff, mm -hmm. that's a tremendous opportunity that, that really is something that's new over the last year to year and a half. Well, and, and certainly the learning curve was really steep and, and a lot of churches felt like they stumbled and, and are looking forward to this time of setting it all aside. But but I think most worship leaders are are realizing the the need for a hybrid future, that there are multiple access points in into the worship experience and to find those who who do have that skill um, and invite them into into that dialogue. We've spoken with pastors and, and church leaders who are trying to talk about virtual membership. You know, they belong, they're going to join the church, never physically be there. Some can't even be there physically because they're a long way away, but but they're still a full member. So what does that mean? How how do we participate? So 
And and you're right. I think it, young people are better at this kind of thing than many of us older folks. And so to help them navigate or at least interpret would be a great a great asset, a, a way to to call on them. And, um, and they can also be really full participants in being able to share, you know, some of the messages that might come yeah. out of worship experiences as well. You know, if if a worship planner is uh, you know, to the place where they're kind of creating some social media graphics or messages that they would like to go out. Um, young people are tremendously savvy about what interests them. And if it's a scripture or if it's one line from the sermon and those go out as a part of mm-hmm. uh, a youth ministry's Instagram account, or um, they're able to coordinate something on TikTok or, or pieces like that, it, it really can be very complimentary to the intentionality that I know a lot of worship planners bring to the worship experience. Mm-hmm. I foresee a whole new course on TikTok preaching. (laughs) That that would be consistent with my attention span. So that would be exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and so you bridged a little bit about the global. Um, Can you, and I know you've done global work with youth um, and youth leaders. So can you speak a little bit about that and, and how the global perspective helps youth connect in the congregation? Yeah, uh, thank you for bringing that up because um, what one of the, the real blessings is, uh, of being a part of a general agency is having this very broad scope and, and broad access to experiences within the church. And so um, I've been able to be a part of leadership trainings and uh, events and worship services you know, across different countries in Africa, across different countries in Europe. Um, across Southeast Asia and the Philippines. Um, And in each of those places, um, the easiest place to make a cross-cultural connection has been within worship. Um, Mm. It just is, right? Because there's some prayers that are in common that even if you don't know the language that it's being spoken in, you know this prayer um, Mm -hmm. or you know this song and you can clap your hands and you can dance and you can move with it. Um, And the, the body of Christ really just ends up coming alive, you know? Um, and so most of the previous conversation we've had about separate youth services and, you know, youth ministry sort of as, as a professional specialization, um, that's a uniquely American sort of problem, you know? Um, as you head into different parts of the world, the, the church continues to operate in this very intergenerational way. Um, and watching young people be excited about the hymn that comes up when everybody gets to dance and move and sing really is, is particularly incredible. Um, and, and the other thing I might add to that is that, you know, as you move around the world, um, the cultural understanding of what a youth or a young adult is really changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I feel like it's important to mention, again, most of the conversation we've had is kind of based in the American context where we assume a youth is between 12 and 18 and a young adult is maybe between, I don't know, 18 and 30 or 35 or 40, depending on how willing the person <laughs> As we get older, you know, up, you know? <laughs> um, but really, you know, in, in some cultures, someone is, uh, someone's a youth until they're married or someone is a youth until they're not living with their, um, parental family anymore. Um, and worship is just such a central and, inspiring experiences as you head globally. Um, that if folks are wondering about how to do intergenerational worship well, it, it's not hard to look around the connection. Uh, and honestly, like just just Google United Methodist Churches in the Philippines, because the same thing that we've had to do in the States with virtual stuff 
they've had to do as well. And so mm-hmm. if you wanted to watch a worship service from the Philippines um, that's happening on a Sunday morning there, you can do that at Saturday night um, from the Uni- United States and get some great ideas for you know what intergenerational worship or, or worship services where youth are just expected to be there and totally welcomed into it. That That is one of the unexpected benefits of the pandemic. Lots of resources, lots of things we can watch and learn from and and share too. Uh, It just takes a little bit of time and and the energy to go and look. uh, Eric and Diana, I know that you both kind of served and and been around as well. So are there some international worship experiences that have kind of stuck with you and um, informed some of the energy that you try to bring in your worship planning? I think primarily the two the two that stick out of my mind are, are actually Great Britain. Um, I served for a year in the British Methodist Church in England, and then I taught at the University of Edinburgh for about five years and and worshipped with with them. And what su- what surprised me the first time I walked into one of those little English churches and saw six people sitting in a little English chapel in the middle of nowhere in in the heart of England, I thought. And, and I had in my hand five hymns. You know, they do a five hymn service. And I thought this is going to be painful, but they did. They sang. They sang with their whole hearts. You know, and it was because they put themselves into that worship. And it just it just amazed me. These salt of the earth farmers and and workers and uh, Methodists in in England just gave themselves to the to the time of worship. I remember the, my first Sunday back in the states after that experience saw. 10 times as many people in worship, but the music didn't sound nearly as passionate as it did with those few. And then the other was was Africa. I, I helped lead a, a seminar at a seminary in, in uh, Addis Ababa. And the worship, as you say, multi-generational, young people, old people, uh, all sorts of people. And, and it was just full body worship all the time from beginning to end. It was not a sit back and wait for someone to to make you worship, it was it was I've I've come ready to worship, and and so that that whole experience of coming prepared, coming expecting, coming open to the Holy Spirit is something that I tried to carry with me in all the churches that I served when when I came back. Um, yeah. But it's something well, we always look for, you know. Yeah. Um, and for me, I mean, it's not so much about uh, worshiping in other uh, places around the world, and I have done some of that. Um, but finding that here in the States, that if you go to a Hispanic uh, or Spanish speaking mm-hmm. church, it is a different feeling. There is a feeling of fiesta a lot of uh, most of the time there. So it, it can be just a small gathering of people and it is always intergenerational. Um, so, yeah, I, I get that sense there. And another one that comes to mind, which is um, going to conferences of the Fellowship of United Methodist and Music and Worship Arts, particularly the one at Lake Junaluska, North Carolina, that that um, Harold Auditorium is filled with children and youth and adults. And um, and it is just one of the most uplifting praise, praising, you know, congregations that can sing and uh, that is to me what feeds me until the next time we can gather and do that again. And that's coming up hopefully this coming summer in June. Um, but yeah, I, I think there are iterations of that here and, um, and to find those places where um, there is already intergenerational worship that does it well too. 
Um, so. Yeah, and, and your comment just real quickly made, made me think of, uh, you know, just how much I've missed corporate singing, mm-hmm. uh, which is weird for me because I'm a terrible singer, right? Like I, I am awful. Uh, I cannot be on pitch. I cannot keep a tune. But there is something about um, being able to be in a place where everybody's in that hymn together and and really in it, right? And, well, and it elevates you, you, all of us, to another level when we do it together. When we're sharing the same breath, and even our hearts start to beat at the same at the same mm-hmm. rhythms. You know, that's what music does for us. It unites us. And so, um, yeah. And and we talked earlier about. Uh, bringing in youth elements into worship and changing things up. And, you know, when you give that to give, ask youth to lead that, it often softens the heart of the rest of the congregation because they're much more apt to try something new in a different language, different sure. style, if a youth or a child is doing it rather right. than, you know, <laughs> the leadership saying, you will learn this. <laughs> That's right. Well, Chris, it has been marvelous to talk with you about all these um, kinds of things. And uh, if I remember correctly, you said you have an upcoming in a couple of months out, a planning meeting that might set some themes and curriculum and all that. So so will we be seeing some some information coming out before too long about, about Youth 2023 that we can then promote to other folks? Yeah, so so uh, the hope for Youth 2023 um, is that we will have registration open in the first quarter of 2022, okay. um, allowing churches basically a full year to you know kind of consider registration and um, you know do the fundraising and get it on the calendar and all those sorts of things. Um, and I'm really excited, you know, once our design team comes together to be able to share um, the theme and the messages that they come up with. So. Uh, you know, currently, if, if folks are listening to this podcast and want to hold the design team for the event in prayer, um, that would be um, just tremendous, tremendously appreciated. Uh, the, the design team are folks that uh, volunteer their time from around the connection and hopefully do an amazing job of representing the beautiful diversity of the church, uh, not only in terms of, you know, gender and geography and race, but uh, also theological perspectives um, and the desire for, for creating a space where youth feel welcome. Uh, and have something to celebrate about their faith. You know, the the last thing I'll say about the youth event is that um, it, it's going to be one of the first national events that would happen after General Conference if it takes place in 2022. <laughs> if, if, um, yeah. yeah, it's a big if. Um, <laughs> but but I will say that generally youth are so great at uh, avoiding the pitfalls or the speed bumps that adults seem to put in our own way. Mm. Um related to the mission of the church. And so I really want Youth 2023 to be a place where youth can celebrate what it means to be uh, a young person in the church right now and find that common ground and just celebrate being able to be together. Um, because that's something that the adult members of the United Methodist Church, I think, have struggled with of late. Amen. And still are struggling. Well, we will look forward to that. We And we certainly will hold you all in prayer as, as you go through this preparation stage. And for all of you who are listening today, we thank you for joining us and invite you to, to join us in praying for the, the planning team for Youth 2023 um, and for Chris and all those who are working with him. But we hope the podcast, the conversation has been helpful to you, help you rethink and take a look at worship happening in your place and how we might involve more generation in that, in what we do together.
And remember, you can always find more information from our website at umcdiscipleship.org. And we'd love for you to tell us what you think, questions you have, or what issues you'd like us to discuss. So send us an email. There's a contact us link on the website, and you can let us know your thoughts. So until next time, we'll be praying for and with you and your congregation. So may God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.